I got with me here Luke Workman. You want to take a minute and introduce yourself, what you're up to? Yeah, um, my name is Luke Workman, and uh, you want a short intro? Yeah, whatever intro. If you're in an elevator and you're interested in the, the right. person really it's, getting to know you and liking you, what would you tell them? You do battery um, stuff. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. that'd be an extremely short intro. You know, uh, the goal is uh, so basically breaking through whatever obstacles were holding back implementation of uh, clean technology so that uh, we can stop processes that pollute the air and our water, you know? Yeah. Um, to do this, it means uh, our business focuses on the challenges that are either uh, too technically challenging and uh, maybe too much equipment investment or uh, too dangerous. Um, maybe the risk for their particular location and their particular uh, type of protective gear they've got for employees and things isn't suitable for the type of test they need performed. Hmm. And so... Uh, you do the R&D for a ton of different battery, only electric vehicles or also like phones and like smaller user electronics or... Well, you know, uh, at the moment we have... Um, I guess I can just vaguely say... Uh, multiple communication satellites, multiple wow. aircraft, uh, Electric multiple aircrafts. ground-based vehicles, and... Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so you're making the batteries the best they can be for satellites, airplanes, vehicles. Anything that needs a battery. Yeah. Yeah. It, anything that needs a battery that, that benefits <laughs> all living beings it, yeah. is another so, so requirement. So you don't take jobs for people who are making, you know, stuff that's like, no, yeah, it's a battery, I, but no. I have good. a... I have a easy uh decision making criteria which makes things fairly fairly easy to decide on is if it's something i wouldn't want personally used on myself mm -hmm. or my family you know then yeah. uh i don't make a you know i don't work on that project so smart yeah. really elon cool. says that every decision yeah. he makes uh, is, will it get us to mars quicker right i think that's his one decision his base decision that he he may he frees up all the other decision making with so it's fun to hear different people's you know yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's just the if if I would if I wouldn't want it used on me, then I don't need resources being uh, applied to, towards the world, you know. Because if you think about us all being, uh, you know, let's say that just the three of us at this table were in a small wooden rowboat together, and we we discover, you know, our ship sank, and we were in this little life raft mm -hmm. rowboat together, we would realize uh, every scrap, every morsel of the rowboat was actually precious for us for whatever we need to accomplish, mm -hmm. you know, in our, in our time afloat until we can be rescued or find shore. Right. That's a good way of and, it. uh, in our situation though, it's even more precious than that situation where in the rowboat, it would be so clear to, to realize you should prioritize the, the allocation of resources wisely. You know, in our situation, we, uh, have 93 million miles of vacuum until there's a sun, which is just evolved plasma <laughs> and out further, you just freeze. Yeah, and so uh, we don't have a shore to uh, come Hopefully. to rest upon with our rowboat, right? And there's not just the three of us in this room on the rowboat. There's, uh, you know, yeah, is it nine billion today? I'd... Yeah. A lot, crazy. We'll yeah, just, yeah, we'll putting, say a lot. <laughs> putting stuff in perspective, like that's a lot yeah. of fun. A, a video that I've been wanting to make, and I'm like, I want to make sure our legal team and everyone at the company would be happy with it. But it's just like someone starts up their electric vehicle in the garage. 
and just like sits in it and like reads a book or something. And then it's like it cuts to someone in a, a gas truck just about like turning on the ignition here, vroom, 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 and it's like imagine this this garage is your world. And it's like, I mean, it is like we are, everyone's downwind. We're all recycling the same air, but everyone forgets about it because it's so vast. Mm -hmm. But if you put an electric vehicle in a garage and a gas vehicle in a garage, it's, I mean, it'd kind of be lighthearted about, you know, the potential of dying. So maybe I won't make that video, but it's a really good kind of example. But it's perspective. I think think, uh, if you take the most staunch um, fossil fuel advocates, you know, like the coal plant general manager or whatever, right? Yeah. And you uh, put them in a submarine, mm-hmm. and you go down low, you know, if if you're a mile under the ocean, yeah. And you say, uh, we have, you know, this is the air that we've brought with us. Yeah. There's a, uh, you <laughs> know, it's, a, it's a mile up above before uh, we get another clean source at the, you know, in this situation. Yeah. And you present the different energy options, you know. Yeah. You could you could start each one of them running and see which one he turns off first. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that he's in the room with. It'd be really tough. Yeah. It, it, amazingly, you know, I, I think we know uh, how that would go. People would think you were an insane maniac if you were to start an internal combustion machine yeah. while you're down in the submarine, right? Absolutely. But if you think about our atmosphere, it's just a razor thin layer of atmosphere outside the sphere, you know. Um, the, most of the uh, density of the Earth's atmosphere, you know, when when you get up above the height of Mount Everest, I think it's over half of the uh, atmospheric pressure is gone. Maybe it's even two thirds of it's gone. You know, you could yeah. you could look it up real easily. But um, this means, you know, that's only twenty nine thousand feet, which is uh, what is that? That's about six miles or so, yeah. which means you've got a twenty five thousand di- mile diameter sphere where six miles of it is over half of the atmosphere yeah. on this sphere, right? And uh, so how, you know, I look at it like the submarine's finite volume, you know, if obviously you can do things like water electrolysis if you if you have a nuke power plant, you know, and uh, there's, there's other tricks to liberate oxygen while you're underwater too, but all of those things are finite depending on... Uh, some resource that you have a, an unlimited supply of, you know, but yeah. in this situation... A carbon capture farm would take more energy to put into it to take that carbon out, so you'd need right. a green source if your goal is to net negative carbon, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, it becomes one of those situations where most of the most of the ways to make that work become, at best, a stopgap that uses some other resource of finite supply, you know, so that you can shift, uh, shift the inevitability that yeah. at some point you've got to stop poisoning your... Uh, respiration you know you're so you're just working on like a really small simple task that's easy to solve it sounds like <laughs> i'll probably you know I'll, I'll i'll call you this evening when i'm done yeah <laughs> all right yeah. uh everything's yeah, we'll fixed entire out. energy yeah. um, what do you think i get done by tonight <laughs> probably everything can uh, transition to green energy um so day to day what's your so that's the overarching goal of like hey every decision this is my goal this is what would be beautiful this is what points my decision making but day to day what does that look like Okay, um, it, I feel really blessed. You know, it it used to look like uh, early in my career. Um, well, I guess er, early on in my career at the data center, I had really good tools and equipment and budget. And um, I also had a pampered environment so that the things that you build and, and place in a data center tend to survive forever because it's temperature and humidity controlled. 
and it gets bolted down to concrete pads. And so there's no vibration Mm -hmm. and uh, there's no humidity and condensate and nobody drives it in the ocean surf or, uh, you know, drives it down rough roads or anything. So very um, controlled. Yeah. Super pampered environment. Basically it's, it's as good as a lab bench test where in your lab, you know, it's temperature Mm -hmm. and humidity controlled and it's not raining and it's not like, you know, getting dropped and hammered, you know? So anyways, Things worked great in the data center, and I, I worked there for six years, and I thought, you know, batteries are so easy. You just it's like when you're doing size. a physics problem and you don't account for wind pro- or wind. Uh, to- yeah, you know? yeah, like it's it's when you're doing a physics problem and you don't account for any of the other yeah, factors. You're just like, you know? I'm just accounting gravity, not you're wind. Like, you're like, I delivered it. the electricity, and when I charged it, it charged, and yeah. so my. My job was basically, can you make a sound electrical interconnect, but you have unlimited size, base, weight, and budget. And so, (laughs) of course, you can make a sound electrical interconnect. And so uh, this was really easy. Mm. And uh, I left that after six years thinking, um, wow, batteries are so easy. (laughs) And I am like, I am the king of batteries. You know, this was like my personal state of delusion at that time. And um, I had recently started doing light electric vehicle batteries like electric bicycles and things as a as a hobby not as a job Mm. while i was working at the data center and uh zero motorcycles ended up recruiting me and i uh took a pay hit to work at a startup that um on arrival the first meetings they're saying like uh if we don't ship they're gonna pull our funding and we'll close the doors. And I'm thinking like, Oh shoot. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I just, just left a really it. comfortable corporate job that, that wasn't going anywhere for this. And then, um, you know, they said, if we don't ship by this date, you know, the, that'll be the end of it. And then they, they do a round table on the state of each person's like shipping readiness, you know, and like a handful of them haven't even like received first prototypes yet. And so I'm thinking, Oh mm-hmm. my God, you know, this is, I made a mistake and this is it. But um, turns out we had, fortunately, a forgiving investment group that that allowed us to slip a lot of deadlines when we needed to. And uh, we also had an incredible team that uh, was able to make some miracles happen. And somehow we dug out of that and uh, made Zero it. Zero Motorcycles is still around today. Zero Motorcycles is yeah. still around today. And... Uh, you know, arguably an industry leader at what they're doing. And uh, it's a, you know, I love the product. It's it's an awesome product. You're a motorcycle guy for a lot of your life, right? Yeah, I was. So you started in lab settings and you actually got into real world with motorcycle and then you uh, moved off and you met Erica and you two started Electric Goddess. And yep. Arkimoto is one of the companies that you work with in terms of just like, that is going to be the best that a battery can possibly be for its use case. Uh, Jill, whose episode was two, or yes, last episode, she mentioned it's like if it has to charge and decharge fast or if it has to have different heat, um, you know, variabilities depends yep. on like, the kind of coating casing you put around it, how you put it together. So you're just trying to see the use case of the vehicle or the satellite or whatever you're putting your battery into and say, how can I make this the most optimal for this client is my understanding. And uh, to do that, it's, um, you know, some companies like to focus on simulation and we do do simulation as kind of a ballpark idea for a pretest, you know, but, um, simulation is only as good as the understanding of the model 
And the crazy thing with batteries is that uh, it was even just last week a a fundamental confusion in my personal model about uh, lithiation under. Anyways, I'm I'm not actually <laughs> going to get into it, but um, thank you. <laughs> I was I was corrected by uh, testing. You know, I, I, I performed something where I was like, we'll just wait and it will induce thermal runaway, you know. And uh, eight hours later, I I uh, gave up, you know, and surrendered my old assumption that uh, this would be a surefire method. Anyways, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to elaborate, but um, you're continually updating your model on how, that's to, right. how to best. Suit. That's right. I mean, such a wide variety of variety of companies, if it's from satellites to space like or aircrafts to uh, ground vehicles. I mean, spacecrafts and satellites have to be down to what negative some odd degrees Fahrenheit, yep. and then it's vehicles. A, it's like you get you want to get them down to below freezing because most places. Yep. Um, but it's like the actual use cases. That's fascinating. And so, is this kind of your favorite? Is this where you feel like you're doing the well, most good for the world? Is in uh, optimizing I, batteries for what I love as a challenge. You know, like uh, I always felt um, disengaged from easy challenges, I guess. And I really enjoy the most difficult technical challenges in the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it turns out, you know, uh, like when when I would work for different corporations, I was most happy when I was solving the thing or addressing or or attempting to do the thing Mm -hmm. that that most everyone said was impossible or or undoable or uh, a fool's errand, you know. And... uh, so now we get to do, you know, but I, but what I didn't enjoy was, was all the rest of the time that I was not doing the really, really difficult stuff. And so we made a niche for ourselves where, uh, people give us their stuff that maybe their engineering group has been stuck on it for six months and it's costing them hundreds of thousands a month, you know, for each month that they're stuck. And, uh, these, these are like our, our favorite situations because, I don't have to deal with like solving the boring part. To get yeah, all to of the, the boring part. parts of wow. your company. I get to uh, solve the part that was a, a showstopper for whatever that program happened to be, and uh, that's my personal favorite. But that's awesome. We get we get asked to do many different things. You know, sometimes we just get asked to do due diligence, validation testing, and thermal runaway. Let's say where uh, you initiate different cells in a in a pack and uh, observe how it spreads through the pack, and uh, those are always fun and exciting and. Uh, we also do uh, calorimetry, which is, um, you know, failing them in a chamber that has uh, the, I guess the the super simple definite like explanation of an arc calorimeter is you have a a chamber that is vented, and ours is vented to a scrubber, but it's vented so that the chamber won't uh, turn into a bomb. It can right. outgas. Yeah, exactly, it can outgas, and our vents are variable. We have sixty one different separate uh heat exchanger elements that we can we can add or subtract from the system but in that range of adjustability you can set the uh real gas pressure curve rate to match uh what the particular uh say it's an aircraft and it's the it's you know, 32 the housing air pressure kind of yeah right. the the housing of the uh system or say it's a vehicle and it's the stamped steel casing that it's in whatever pressure it ruptures at, we get to uh, match that curve and then quantify the joules of energy, the 
gas pressure curve released and the species of gas released. It's essentially to test worst case scenario, how does the battery react? Like, hey, if my Tesla flipped on its side and someone shot it, so a direct bullet goes into the battery, essentially, like, is the Tesla going to explode? Or is it like, hey, will this battery uh, release its energy in a safe manner if the that's, worst case happens? That's right. And uh, the, the particular calorimetry that I was mentioning, though, we often do just at a cell level or groups of cell level, like for cylindrical cells, since our calorimeter is kind of bigger to have an improved signal to noise ratio, a larger energy release improves our accuracy. And so we usually test two to three cylindrical cells at a time. And when we're doing a large pouch cell, we do one at a time. Um, but measuring that, once you have that joules of energy number, now you understand uh, the amount of energy absorption that you would need to handle this thermal spike mm. and not transfer in a thermal runaway mm. that chain reactions cell to cell, right? And so... Um, so what does the energy absorber look like? Like some sort of... Uh, well, uh, ceramic funny you ask because the, uh, the f it, it, what it looks like to your eye would be, uh, say, black tire rubber is what it looks like to your eye. Yeah. However, um, what it is is the polymer that holds this particular filler, it's something like uh, 40 to 60% filler laden, depending on how thick and thin you need it to fill the crevices of the pack. But um, this, the, the polymer matrix itself that holds the filler mm -hmm. just needs to be mechanically robust to maintain the integrity of the filler near the cells because the filler is endothermic and absorbs the energy spike, mm. releasing uh, a non-toxic, non-corrosive vapor in nice. a one-time... Uh, chemical bond cracking, you know, people often are aware of how you can w melt wax and it will absorb temperature or you could boil water. You know, you put mm -hmm. you put a big pan of water on your stove, you turn on the burner, it reaches 100 C and then it doesn't reach 101 C until the water is gone, you know. Yeah. And um, same effect when you're melting wax, you know, it reaches the wax melting temperature and it doesn't go above it until the, the wax has uh, melted, you know, and then it can mm -hmm. increase in temperature above that melting point. In this situation... Those, so those examples with water and with wax are phase changes. One's a phase of vaporization, one's a phase of fusion. Mm. But but these energies are... Um, chemical exchanges. These Yeah, these chemicals are... Uh, when they cool off, they recycle back to their old state. Really? Yeah. You know, like when you... You know, if you boil water, it recondenses into liquid, it, you yeah. know, and, and recon, you know ultimately becomes rain again at some point, right? And... Uh, if you melt wax, unless you've got like some perpetual heat source, it's going to cool off again and solidify again, right? Yeah. And it it has the same energy release when it goes backwards, but this is actually a uh, exothermic chemical bond cracking that's only a one-time energy release. So it's a it's a one-trick release. The but filler it, and the battery, but boom, the, they react, makes everything safe, safe vapor. Yeah, and, then... and the density is something like, you know, don't quote me because maybe somebody has a super wax that's a higher entropy of enthalpy of fusion <laughs> than I'm aware of, but yeah. um, it's something like a hundred times uh, these waxes that had been used in the past. People put a wax in a carbon matrix. The carbon matrix is supposed to improve the thermal conductivity of the wax, but um, anyways, it's around a hundred times the density. It doesn't work. You know, theirs works thousands of times or tens of thousands of times, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a different kind of thing that they're trying to do, but from the perspective of clamping thermal runaway, um, you need it to, to be once. around a hundred times. Yeah. And after you've already had sh cells shooting fire out of the pack, 
does it matter if it does if you know do you need it to work again yeah. or it's, it's uh, like a bulletproof like, vest it only works for once and then the right. bulletproof vest will never or it's you know yeah. it's just uh, people say it's right. like a knit sweater or it's mm-hmm. like so because yeah. you only need it once and then you replace it it's like that's you're never right. gonna yeah, that's... yeah if, if you had this cr- extremely rare event where you either had a wreck you know mechanical damage uh yeah whatever road debris impact you know or, or the, in the um, extremely the sure, as, I, I feel like asteroid impact is almost on the same <laughs> probability of internal cell defect induced fires at this point wow. because quality and repeatability on cells is getting so ridiculously good. That's awesome. Uh, the the reason we you know we handle forensics for uh, companies all over the globe and um, most events are things like inadequate resonance and vibration chafing you know the number one is is certainly corrosion uh you know corrosion early in industry i assumed it was a uh mostly like a decorative concern but it's when uh... or an aesthetic concern but it turns out um it you know and of course it could degrade it a conductivity you know and, and lose cross-sectional area right and i thought you know that's like some kind of really long-term effect that that is uh not such a big deal, but it turns out even with just pure dew, pure distilled water applied across different voltages, uh, because the air, you know, currently it's something like 400 parts per million carbon dioxide, maybe 500 parts per million carbon dioxide. Don't, don't, you know, we, no, we, we actually have a PPM meter in the office, but it's, it's higher than that because it has people breathing in yeah. there. But anyways, uh, it becomes carbonic acid in the water because it dissolves in for, through surface diffusion with the air wetted boundary of the water. And so even though you start with just pure condensates, if there happens to be a voltage gradient across these points of pure condensates, mm-hmm. uh, carbonic acid is a great electrolyte for performing uh, ion transfer and electrolysis. And so mm-hmm. the moment that you have water between points with different voltages, you can grow a salt bridge, you know, and many people have seen things like this on their car battery terminal where maybe one terminal, not the other, suddenly grew a big Christmas, not, you know. Not an electric vehicle car battery, but sure, a, sure. a traditional I'm, I'm one saying, where you actually yeah, see I'm, the stuff that you put giving, jumpers to. Yeah, I'm giving it, an yeah. example that people would relate from a, you know, internal combustion. No, yeah. um, there's a factor related to the sulfuric acid vapors, which is the source of, you know, a ready ion source to drive these kinds of formations, but mm. it shows the effect where uh, corrosion is growing, you know, and, and I mean, I think many folks have uh, experienced this on a, on a battery terminal, you know. And so this is what happens even if you start with distilled water, if there's voltage present mm-hmm. to generate these salt bridges where it's ripping metal ions off one surface, depositing them onto the other surface, and uh, it's, it's using the carbonate ion from our CO2 in the atmosphere, you know, to, to run this, to function as an electrolyte. Because pure distilled water mm-hmm. wouldn't do this, you know. But because it's just we have, an oxygen environment. Yeah. If, 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 we any were in a, if we were in just pure nitrogen and oxygen, yeah. this type of salt bridge formation wouldn't happen, actually, because uh, there... Um, wouldn't be carbonic acid being... Yeah, because too. the carbonic acid is polar and works as a great electrolyte to help transfer it. But into yeah. and O2 are both non-polar gases that when they diffuse into water, they don't make an electrolyte, which is good, extremely convenient. Um, just to keep kind of time into consideration, yes. we're going to have Erica on after. I want to wrap okay. uh, this back around to uh, the rationale behind it and then touch okay. on uh, your work okay. with Arkimoto and then 
uh, I guess we'll, we'll ask her about battery recycling. That was going to okay. be the second half of yours, but we just okay. I, it just kept going in such okay, a beautiful sorry. way. Sorry. So the salt, like uh, a traditional uh, internal combustion engine, the salt bridge can start forming. That obviously can't happen on electric vehicles. So you, you're mostly right. focused well, on the casing around it, and especially 12, the fact that the batteries have to kind of breathe, so it has to be able to expand and contract. At 12 volts with, you know, in, an, in a lead-acid battery at 12 volts, you know, um, I, there's actually kind of a, a funny thing, but if you look back at, popular mechanics articles and uh, popular science articles, people all the way back in like 1920s, 1930s are saying cars next year or, you know, three years from now will use 48 volt or 36 volt low voltage systems, you know, starting batteries and, and illumination and everything. And um, the, the reasons stated are the same that they're stated for today, you know, which is... Uh, lower cost in the wiring harness, the mass of the copper, you know, you say that you, you might use uh, half of the copper in the, in the harness of the vehicle, let's say, you know, and so that this is toted as the reasons why they're going to go Is it still two years out now well, that well, yeah, that, it was in 1920? Yeah, that's the crazy thing is if you look, if you look in the 1920s or 1930s ones, which everyone had at first, don't quote me on this. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was all the way in the forties, right? But you're a man who doesn't uh, want to be quoted. Every, every, well, it's, it's just because I, <laughs> we're, we're just I, having, didn't, I didn't yeah. research to prepare notes yeah. in advance. Nobody will ever catch you. Otherwise I would have a date and a quote and a source for every <laughs> yeah. value if I was going to quote a value. But anyways, um, so, so something like every five years, maybe every 10 years, including when I was a young child, you know, when we had popular science, popular mechanics as a kid, mm -hmm. I would read them and they'd say, wow, 36 volts, sometimes 42 volts, 48 volts, you know, and we're like, awesome. I'm, a, I'm looking forward to it because I was, a, I was a car audio nut, you know, and I thought the power for our amplifiers, you know, this will <laughs> be, yeah, yeah. be a huge benefit. And the alternator, I assume the alternator performance can improve. Too. Now I don't have the same misconceptions, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, at, at that point in my life, um, you know, I was really looking forward to it and it kept not happening. And um, I didn't understand why until much later in life, maybe until more than 10 years of working with batteries, you know, the first six being pampered in a data center where, yeah. where it was temperature and humidity controlled, where I never learned anything about this effect. But um, if you have enough voltage and you form even a single drip of water between those points, um, you can make... First, it's a corrosion formation, like we've all seen in our car terminals. Mm -hmm. But if that corrosion formation grows and continues to saturate, you know, there's a, a point, uh, you know, one of the lowest melting point salts is tin chloride hydrate. And maybe it's septahydrate, maybe it's octahydrate, but um, it's the max hydrate state for it. It becomes a molten ionic liquid at 34 Celsius. And so uh, this means when you become a molten ionic liquid, you go from having virtually, you know, electrical conductivity approaching zero, approaching mm. unmeasurable yeah. to crowbarring electrical conductivity at that yeah. moment you melt. And so now you become, you conduct in a range a little worse than aluminum metal conducts. Mm. And so uh, this, this is what enables it to go from uh, being what I thought was an aesthetic concern or maybe a so long-term functionality concern right? Right, to wow. being a shorting concern. And, and that changed my whole perspective on focusing on corrosion resistance and weather resistance. And, uh, you know, anyways, it, that was, that was just a long journey on, uh, yeah. and most of that was relevant to mechanics. internal combustion engines, right? Where the actual turn, the terminals of the well, motor or the yeah, battery it's, are exposed. It's relevant. Yeah, it's relevant, especially in that situation. I, I would say relevant to the extent that it's why 
it's always been that savings in copper and the wiring harness since the 1930s or 40s or whenever the first time they they were you know touting this will be the future yeah it's always been the same savings in copper but it's also always had the same ability to easily generate molten salt bridging at that voltage range yeah. with even distilled water as the input. If and only so, everyone could drive in uh, in clinical conditions. You right. Know? Yeah. Wouldn't that make everyone's job really if, easy? If people's vehicles never left the data center, then um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would I would be out of the job, and uh, you know, <laughs> everything would be perfect. yeah. Every we'd, it would be utopia for uh, anything you built would be a utopia. And to bring it back home before we close up and speak to your uh, wonderful partner, Erica. Uh, so what's your, you're like, hmm, I don't know how to phrase it. Like, like what what made you say, I do want to work with Arkimoto? Because you say, I want to work with companies that are making the world better. And oh, yeah. Arkimoto made the cut, okay. you know? Well, I respect the uh, progression to a lighter footprint than cars. You know, I've been an e-bike fanatic my whole life and uh, electric bicycle fanatic. Uh, of, of course, I'm a motorcycle rider, dirt and street, and, and love them both. And... Uh, the Arkimoto is, uh, you know, does it directly shave two thirds or three quarters or so of the amount of uh, materials footprint in a single change that can perform the same function, you know, to do the same job? A lot like how a electric bicycle, you know, if if the application is suitable for an electric bicycle, that's also a way to reduce the footprint, you know, and so. Um, in terms of getting one person from one destination to another totally. with the least amount of material and need as yep. possible. And and with the uh, shocking percentage of trips that are single occupancy or dual occupancy, which, yeah. um, you know, mm. we, the vehicle yeah. covers perfectly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's incredible. People will make a vehicle choice based on, like, once or twice last year I drove cross country yeah. or once or twice last year I picked up a sheet of plywood. Yeah. And so I have a truck for 362 yeah. days. Yeah, the other 99.9% of trips, they ate terrible fuel economy <laughs> as a penalty for this the one day. time they picked up a, you know, they could have got a sheet of plywood delivered perhaps, you know, and it would yeah. have cost a hundredth the price of the fuel economy difference. Yeah. So if I were to uh, kind of rephrase what you're saying in terms of your earlier metaphor, you believed if, we're on a rowboat, Arkimoto's like efficiently using every nail and screw and piece of wood and making sure that it is, we're effectively using the resources that we have yeah, to I get think, the job done. I think where I think it fits in is uh, right now we don't really have a practicable step between, other than the Arkimoto, between the electric bicycle mm -hmm. and the electric car. Yeah. And I love our Plaid Model S and our Model 3, but uh, I often commute by electric bicycle. Mm. Because uh, I love riding my electric bicycle, you know, yeah. like it's a pleasurable experience, right? And so uh, I feel this um, is a gap too wide between a 5,000 pound, 1,000 horsepower car mm -hmm. and a two horsepower, 40 <laughs> pound vehicle, right? Yeah. And uh, the two horsepower, 40 pound vehicle is terrible if I have to say transport two people, yeah. get mm -hmm. groceries or bring any of my equipment to work or home back yeah. and forth, then the bicycle falls on its face and I'm left driving the 5,000 pound, 1,000 yeah. horsepower vehicle, which, which is, you know, I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying. <laughs> there, uh, there's a good middle ground. Yeah, there. there's that a middle ground fair. where the Arkimoto does haul my equipment to work, does haul two of us mm -hmm. to work and back and uh, doesn't require, um, you know, the same burden and footprint of the 5,000 pound, 1,000 horsepower car, which is 
a blessing. I, th- I think it beautiful. has a, a beautiful spot to fit in there. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. This is an absolute joy. Every time you come around to town, you came for the 222 event, and it's uh, everyone who kind of came. It's just magical to get to see everyone. Oh, thank you. And I figured the event was so like, oh, I want to talk to everyone. So I'm like, anyone who couldn't come to the event, they never have the chance to hear anyone from Arkham Auto how much they love the company, why they're working for it, what they're excited about, and how intelligent these people are. So I wanted to create an opportunity to spotlight the people who are involved with Arkham Auto, why they love the company, and why they're working and are so interested in it. So thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, I wanted to mention too, since when I needed to find this service, I searched and couldn't find it, but we can drive up to 5,500 amps continuous current for people to test components like fuses, contactors, bus bars in short circuit conditions. Mm -hmm. I had the equipment to test my continuous normal operating conditions, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the condition, the equipment to test short circuit current conditions. And uh, I feel like uh, many folks are looking for someone who can provide that to validate all their connectors, contactors, fuses, bus bars. And uh, if so, Google your website or email you directly. No, uh, our website, you can use the contact link and uh, we'll get it. I'll put the link to your episode in the bio. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you very much. You. Pleasure to chat. Yeah, appreciate uh, contributions. Yeah, here. you're one of the first episodes. You helped setting the pace yeah. of the show. I appreciate it. What a, what a pleasure and uh, nice nice place and nice facility. Thank and, you. Uh, beautiful Thank you. town here in Eugene, too. All right. Take yeah. care, everyone. Yeah. See ya.